welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Jerry Springer. Thank you. Thank you. We, uh... We have a studio audience, a small studio audience. This folk school coffee parlor is a little place, but tonight we are packed with people, and we've brought in extra easy, chairs. Easy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I back. know, the people Please are pushing back up. back away Jerry, from the table. Jerry gets a little frightened when oh. he sees people start to push oh, up. Oh, man. Um, and by the way, uh, we've got Tim Lancaster coming up. He was <laughs> on last week, and we beseeched him yeah. to come back another week. Yeah. And Tim... Uh, was born in our, and raised in Orlando, Florida, and then uh, he, he's done a lot of stuff. He's been on trail cruise up in northeastern uh, United States. But uh, a few years ago, did an artist in residency at uh, Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, which is a, it's a historical hotbed for lots of stuff. So he did some songs when he was an artist in residence there. He's going to come on and uh, do one of those, uh, do a couple songs for us, actually. I uh, wanted to update you on something, Jerry. And I have kind of an angle here. I've been, I'm just going to tell it straight. I've been bitching at you that you don't do anything remarkable. You've done, you have, you have made money. You have, oh, I mean, come on. I'll give you your Couldn't props. you have told me earlier? I'm yeah. approaching 75. Now yeah. you told me <laughs> yeah. I haven't. I've no, but you, and you were earlier. mayor of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not a small thing. But it's uh, obviously not <laughs> remarkable. Not, not enough. You uh, were uh, number one news anchor in Cincinnati for years. You had the Jerry Springer show. You've done a lot of political work. But there are people out there, and I have brought some on the show to try to show you role models. A guy that's riding a bike to Argentina, started in Quebec, and he's heading for the tip of the end of the earth, uh, Tierra del Fuego, the end of the earth. The guy that ran the Appalachian Trail in about a month, and usually it takes six months to do it. Yeah. And I had a guy on, you interviewed him, good interview. I wouldn't say it was remarkable, but it was a good interview, this <laughs> solid interview. Yeah. No, it was a damn good interview with a guy named Bryce Carlson. I remember So you. Bryce is rowing across the North Atlantic seas, 2,000 miles. He left St. John's, Newfoundland, and the world record, he's the first American that, if he accomplishes it, who will ever have done it. No American yeah. has ever rowed alone, unsupported. 20-foot rowboat from St. John's, Newfoundland to Penzance, England. You probably have been to Penzance, England. You, you were born and raised in England. And there's not a town in England I haven't been to. <laughs> I know. But it's on, the, it's on the, like the western coast of England. Yeah, western coast. Nearest point. Yeah. So 2,000 miles. Yes. The guy has been rolled over in big seas probably 20 times. He's lost two sea anchors. He lost his dagger board. The other day, I've been following him. You can follow him at BryceRose.com or on Facebook. Bryce Carlson Athlete is his Facebook uh, name. Yeah. Or Twitter. He's on Twitter as well. So I've been following him. See, the other day, he lost the antenna for his GPS and his radio communication. And then he fixed it. I mean, he's, he's been in all these storms, including the remnants of Hurricane Chris, I guess. Yes. He is... Four days from now, coming into Penzance, England, he is setting the world record. He's going to be the first American to do this. 
and he's breaking the world record for crossing the ocean from St. John's to Penzance. And no one's been going with him. Nobody out there alone. So I followed him. Well, here's my question. Yes. How do you know he really did it? You are an, a son of a beach that you would. Hey, well, Jerry, hold this on. could be like, what hey, was Jerry. it, Rosie Ruiz with the uh, marathon? Hey, Jerry. He flew Roll over. with me here. I he, got an idea. I'm with you. I'm with you. I got he, an idea. By the way, he sent rode a, across the Atlantic. I know. Right. Yeah, right. And I swam it. Yeah. So he sent a Twitter yeah. message oh, to the Visitors Bureau of Penzance, England this yeah. morning. Yeah. And you can see it on his Twitter account. And it says, hello, Penzance. I will be coming into your harbor in about four days. And I'm looking for a great place. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm looking for a great place to have a celebratory beer. Oh. He's now communicating with the Visitors Bureau. Yeah, so I cool. got this idea. And he's going to beat the record by, I don't know, probably four days. So I got this idea. Well, why don't you and I put out a news release? I'll do it. I know how to write a news release. Yeah. I'll put out a news release yeah. saying why? that Bryce Carlson, yeah. Jerry Springer, and Gene Galvin just rode across the North Atlantic. Oh, we're going to put that. We did it as yes! well. Yes. Jump, Jumpstart him. Get ahead of him. Preempt him. Yeah, but we're if coming we put in it first. Out, yeah, well, we'll get it. we got to start doing There's national interviews. some guy following us. Well, we can claim that was him. Yeah, that must have been him. There was I, a guy about a mile or two behind, behind us. With us, binoculars, yeah. I could see him. And he Wait, was just... We need to get on the Today yeah. Show, the Howard Stern oh, Show, local yeah. radio, because I have not been able to get you. The thing I've asked you to do, I'm going to do it one last time, then I'm going to stop beating this dead horse. Yeah. For the love of God, yes. join me... And Greg Schran, AskTheLifeGuard.com, Dr. Greg Schran, he requires you always calling him You doctor. are a regular billboard. Why in the hell aren't we renting an Avis rent-a-car one week with unlimited mileage and set the Guinness Book of Record for how many miles you can put on an unlimited mile rental car in a week? Why the hell won't you do that? Just freaking drive around the country. That, that's a lot easier than getting in the middle of the damn North Atlantic. You I'll, won't even do that. I'll, I'll, right. I'll do neither. One, <laughs> yeah. one will kill me and the other will bore me to yeah, death. Bore, <laughs> bore you to death. That's a good point. Why? Why hey, would we The other day, yeah. my, my uh, wife came into Folk School Coffee Parlor, and we live literally within walking distance of here. So yeah. to walk here takes, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. a good yeah. kind of exercise. So my wife came in here, I wasn't here, and then she came home, and I saw her when she got home, and I said, uh, where'd you go? I was down at folk school. Um, I had a great iced coffee. Oh, is that what she told you? Yeah, so, yeah that's right. So I, she says, yeah, I, she I, was here. Yeah, she was at the... Yeah. So I had a great iced coffee, and I yeah. said, well, you don't carry any wallet or anything when you go out, you know, taking a hike, and she said, I, I just put it on your tab. I said, I don't have a tab at Folk School Coffee Parlor. No, they I don't have a tab. No, they wouldn't trust it. So she walks out putting it on my tab, and Catfish, who was the owner and a city council member, calls the police. They got it. They, they turned me in. Because you didn't for pay For stealing it. a coffee. Well, I think that's right. Good job, Catfish. That's why we voted you in. Stop people like this. This is how it starts. Son of a Today, it's man. a cup of coffee. Tomorrow... 
Yeah. Nothing. It, no, nothing. I tomorrow, nothing. <laughs> tomorrow, it's I one of the nothing. guitars leaning against a wall. Well, sure. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so... See, uh, I don't think I ever stole anything. You confess to having... Yeah, I have. I've, I've, well, I mean, I'm not... I like, mean, as a kid, you know. Yeah, a few, I few honestly things. don't think I ever did. I'm not surprised. You were, you, you were, I, I didn't know you in like high school. I didn't I was, know you in college. I was I met pretty you much of a college. pansy. Well, you were, um, you were very uh, Catholic-like. You were Jewish, but you were very Catholic-like. <laughs> <laughs> very Catholic-like. Yeah. Uh, by the way, That is give a Jew props. who eats bacon. That, that's right. <laughs> we do need to give props to Bryce Carlson for what he is about that is a, That is remarkable. I'm making jokes, but yeah. That, I mean, that's remarkable. I, we had his lovely girlfriend here. Yeah. Uh, and I believe, I don't know this, but I'm betting she's part of the small crew, maybe his parents as well, who are, in fact, they said today, they didn't name them, but they said today in his Facebook, Twitter, and blog posts on those three media that I just described, that his welcome crew is now en route to England. So they will be there. And by the way, give props to... Wow Airlines, W-O-W, Wow yeah. Airlines, they're out of uh, Reykjavik, uh, Iceland. Yeah. They now have volunteer donated yeah. to fly him back to the U.S. from England. Oh, That's very cool. Very nice. Two yeah. seats. Yeah, right. Yeah. How does I, that airline stay afloat? I, I don't know. <laughs> You're being two seats. Oh, like no. That. Wow Airlines, yeah. very, very wow. cool. Wow, that is, that is nice. But it it, is. here's what I'm... Now, see, I tend to be cynical. Right. <laughs> Yes. And I'm thinking, this, when I met his lovely girlfriend, she was here at the, you know. A physician at Children's Hospital exactly. in Cincinnati. Now, a guy, and they had been going together two years. Is that right? Okay. Right. Still not married. Right. Oh, okay. You're going to make an issue out of that. Go ahead. Well, you know, you wonder. Yeah. And, a guy, <laughs> and a guy says to his girlfriend, honey, I'm going to, I mean, I've heard all kinds of yeah, excuses yeah, yeah. to get away. Yeah. You know, honey... I'm going to row to England. Yeah. I'll see you in two months. Yeah, I'll call you as soon as I get there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, fact of the matter whoa. is, he's been in touch. They've been in touch, uh, I'm sure. Daily. Of course you call. Not multiple. Yeah, yeah. of course you call. Of course, why not call? Yeah, yeah honey, it's really rough <laughs> out here. You're splashing the bathtub water. <laughs> no, there is an yeah. organization, I read yeah. this today too, yeah. that is required to verify that he did it, and that's the truth, because he is going to set the record, and he is, he, yeah, he's going to beat it by days. He's, he's it's a phenomenal it. story. It's a phenomenal yeah. achievement, and he's a teacher in a local school here in and Cincinnati. And he's gathering lots of yeah. data, Seven Hill schools. Who doesn't want to be in his class oh, now I'm just to hear you, those man. stories? I'm telling yeah. you, it, it is, it's just really cool, and we're hoping that uh, we will have him over here someday off into the future. My guess is you're going to see him on the Today Show, you know, uh, nighttime entertainment shows, lots of uh, media, New York Times. He's, he's going to be a big story because he's the first American to ever... Uh, I want to meet the pilot that flew him over. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, and by the way, Jerry's plane... Uh, I'm going to get yes. the year right. You have a Gulfstream. Let me ask our mutual friend, Lewis, that's in the audience. What year is his Gulfstream, do you know? 1940. <laughs> yeah, but I'm if gonna, you get it, if, if you, you got to get behind it for the pushing. Yeah. If you, if you get two or three guys you to, to really push it, it gets well, What is the year, Lewis? Do you know? It was a 2000, it was discounted from 2008 to 
what is it, 2006? <laughs> it's a 2006, and you didn't make a note of that because we're putting it on our website with a photograph. A 2006 Gulfstream, the asking price, I'll tell you, we're trying to get $2 million, Yeah. But we'll take $1.8. Let's tell the truth. We'll take $1.8, won't we? We'll take one eight. Hey, said no, but no, no. We, we no, want two. Two. Plus. We want two. And and then I stand with them when they buy it. I standing with you them. Get a they pick. take pictures. Get oh, pictures. they take a selfie. A selfie. They get a selfie. Uh, he. Uh, they get the he'll too sign hot for TV the portal from my show. In there. You'll get some. They, uh, what they <laughs> call that in there? What they call too hot for TV? Too hot for TV. He's going to throw those too hot for TV. VHS. Hey, we'll throw in. We'll throw in the how to dance. They went for nine ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. Around country western. Uh, oh, my CD. Actually, my we got a whole West. package. Just you get a whole Jerry Springer paraphernalia. A T-shirt. A T-shirt? Yeah. Uh, from, uh, the from, security? Springer we'll security? We'll get a Jerry Springer security Oh, shirt. man. Oh, it's it's, why wouldn't you want to hey, buy hey, this hey, We're not stream. going down from $2 million. We're not. We're not no, going not, down to well, not, Now that you're throwing the no, too hot for TV tape in. No. no. <laughs> two. Two million. It's I'll tell on. you what. Let's sell the two hot for TV and throw in the plane. <laughs> the plane. That's yeah. the option. Okay. We do have a 2006 Gulfstream. Uh, it is going to be on Craigslist, Cincinnati Craigslist tomorrow. It's going to be on Jer at JerrySpringer.com. Might even put it on Facebook. We have Bree Long here, our uh, social media coordinator. Oh, people going to be wanting Maybe Bree will get it up on. Uh, get it everywhere. Yeah, you can take it for a test run. Yeah, we and, prefer and when they people call, have a pilot's license, and I, but I, otherwise, I need a phone number. I'll just put your cell number, right? <laughs> yeah, right? And, yeah, and, and, and just leave a message on my voicemail that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, right. So anyway, hey yeah. Jerry, wanted to ask you this. Um, we got Tim Lancaster coming up. Stick around for that, everybody. But uh, this Russian controversy. So the Paul Manafort case, as we are recording this show just started they sat the jury right. they had opening <clears throat> statements so that's not related to russia by the way let's make that clear right that the first case, case is not related to yeah. russia but there's so much stuff going on about uh russian and is there obstruction of justice and is there you know collusion would be the armchair name but it's really more technical than that in the courts of law if this controversy really gets legal legs is this treason? Has Donald Trump committed treason? Well, the quick, the quick answer is no. Uh, and, and let me kind of explain it this way. Uh, this past weekend, Saturday night, uh, Mickey and I are having dinner at home, and then we turn on the TV. I guess it was around 10 o'clock at night, and we saw uh, the movie from... 30 years ago, uh, All the President's Men. I think it was playing on MSNBC. So we just watched it again. And uh, watching the whole Watergate thing with Nixon and the Washington Post and how you know, Woodward and Bernstein got that story, you can't help watching it and starting to make parallels Nixon and Trump. And now when you look back at all that Watergate thing, uh, the, the whole event and all the things around it, it starts putting some things really into perspective. Among the questions, why did Nixon ever do that? Why was there break-in at the Democratic headquarters? Why did he create this plumbers group that was the 
name they gave it, which was a, a group that would do initially not supposedly uh, illegal things, but they would do dirty tricks in, in his re-election in 1972 against McGovern. They didn't want to run against Humphrey. They thought he'd be the, not Humphrey, Muskie. They thought Muskie would be the toughest candidate, so they did some dirty tricks, uh, put out some false stories about Muskie, and Muskie dropped, uh, Muskie was defeated badly in the primaries, dropped out, and so they got to run against uh, McGovern, which is what they wanted. But anyway, the crimes that Nixon was ultimately forced out of office for had to do with obstruction of justice and, uh, you know, the, the tapes revealed everything that he was doing, the crooked activity he was doing, how he was violating some parts of the Constitution. But he wasn't at that point uh, charged, or the threat wasn't that he would be charged for treason, because all the things he was doing, he was just a crook or he was doing things to get out of trouble himself. In later years, we found out through the tapes of Lyndon Johnson, because Johnson always taped in the White House, we found out what Nixon was really afraid of and what all these activities were about. And it was this. In 1968... Nixon is running against Humphrey for president. It, we went through that horrible year with the assassination of Martin Luther King, Bobby Kennedy, the riots in the cities, the Democratic Convention in Chicago, which blew up into a riot. Nixon is then nominated. Democrats that were for McCarthy and Kennedy, they're just pulling out of it. They, they don't want to get involved at all. Uh, you know, they, Humphrey was vice president. He was supporting Johnson with the war. So... All these anti-war protesters, young people like ourselves, we didn't want Humphrey, we didn't want Nixon either, but we just kind of dropped out. So as they went into September, it looked like Nixon was going to slaughter Humphrey um, in the 68 election. But all of a sudden, the Democrats started to come home because they started to think, we can't really have Nixon, and Humphrey started gaining in the polls. About two weeks prior to the election, word gets out, or Johnson says, makes an offer for he will agree to stop the bombing of North Vietnam if they will accept, and he's willing to have peace talks. And Nixon correctly saw that, oh my gosh, if Johnson stops the bombing right before the election, that would be the main issue that is keeping Democrats divided. The Democrats really would then come home thinking, oh my gosh, Johnson and then Humphrey, who would take over for Johnson. Let's get Humphrey in there because Humphrey is more likely to bring peace than Nixon would. So Nixon knew that if they do the bombing halt right before the election, he's screwed. He's going to lose in a tight election just like he did in 1960. So this is what he does. He has a connection, and I spoke about this one uh, once before in these podcasts, but he has a connection with this uh, Madame Chenault. 
she was called the Dragon Lady. She was a Chinese woman who had been the wife of a, a, a general, an American general during World War II who was a hero. And she was now a widow, but she was very close with the president of South Vietnam. And Nixon got to her and said, would you please tell the president, Tu of um, South Vietnam not to agree to go to the peace talks that Johnson just proposed because if you can stall, if he can hold out until after the election, I'll be elected, I being Nixon, and I'm going to be much tougher and much more on your side uh, in whatever peace treaty is negotiated. I'll back your interests, South Vietnam, much more than Humphrey and Johnson will because they want peace at any price. They're just trying to get out of this thing. So you want me as president, not Humphrey. You'll get a better deal because Humphrey will give away the store to North Vietnam just to stop the war. So Chenault mentions, says this to Tu, the head of South uh, Vietnam, and sure enough, even though the headlines were Johnson proposing a bombing halt, and it looks like Humphrey has now literally almost tied Nixon in the polls, two days or three days before the election, the president of South Vietnam says he's not going to peace talks just yet. And all of a sudden, the air was out of that balloon. They weren't going to have the peace talks. And... President Johnson gets word of this. He calls the head of the, uh, the Republican leader of the Senate, a senator from Illinois, Everett Dirksen, and he tells Dirksen, you tell Nixon, I know what he's up to, I know what he did, and this is treason. And he better stop, because it wasn't complete yet, he better stop doing what he's doing or I'm blowing the whistle. And then Nixon said, I, I swear I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I promise I didn't, I'll back you on whatever you do with the war. So Nixon lied, Johnson didn't say anything, probably for the same reason that Barack Obama didn't say anything right before this, uh, the last election with Hillary, even though he had heard about what the Russians were doing, because if you suddenly announce it a week before the election, it's, you're going to create chaos, no one will believe the results of the election, and that's a big responsibility for any president to take when you don't know what's going to happen because of it. So Johnson didn't say anything about it. And as you know, Nixon won. Until the day Johnson died, Nixon was always afraid that Johnson would blow the whistle or word would come out of what he did. Because the break-in at the headquarters was nothing compared to treason. And that was the thing that would get Nixon sent to prison for life. There'd be no pardon for treason. That's what he was most scared about. Once they, Nixon created the Plumbers Group, which was about 1971, to start trying to win the next election, there was also the Pentagon Papers released by a guy who worked in the Pentagon, Daniel Ellsberg. The Pentagon Papers 
where literally thousands of pages of a report on everything our government knew about the war in Vietnam with President Kennedy and President Johnson. It stopped, the report stopped on the day that Johnson was no longer president. So it was all the history of the Vietnam War and maybe lies that we told, all those things. If you think about it, Nixon fought like hell to get Daniel Ellsberg and to stop and to sue the New York Times to prevent the Pentagon Papers from being published. Interestingly enough, even though it was about Johnson and Kennedy, neither of them protested. It was Nixon that was protesting the release of the Pentagon Papers. So then the question is, why was Nixon so upset about it? Because from a distance, it would look like, oh, it's going to make him look good. He can't blame Nixon for the Vietnam War. It was all Kennedy and Johnson. What he was panicked about is that if Ellsberg talked, or if it was in the Pentagon Papers, they would find out what Nixon had done. He didn't know if that was going to be in the report. Therefore, you had the break-in of the psychiatrist's office of Daniel Ellsberg. They were trying to, they were panicked. Nixon was panicked. He was trying to get anything he could to stop this in case it had that information in there. No one working for Nixon except Haldeman knew about any of this. So the rest of the Watergate people, they weren't involved in that. So everyone's scratching their heads. Why was Nixon so obsessed with all this stuff, whether it was the Pentagon paper? Why did you have the break-in of the headquarters? All this stuff. Nixon lived with this every day and was afraid Johnson would spill this right before the 72 election. He didn't. And ironically, two days after McGovern was after Nixon was sworn in the second term in January of 73, two days later, uh, Johnson died. And that was what Richard Nixon lived with for much of the rest of his life, worrying it would one day come out. It came out after Nixon died, and we only know about it because Lyndon Johnson taped his office, the, uh, the Oval Office, and his phone calls just like Nixon did. And Johnson had it all the time. And so when you can get Johnson's tapes now, you know, there's even, I have a book on, on some of his tapes, but you can go to, I guess, get it on the internet or whatever, but you can listen to it. So it was Johnson's tapes, his recordings, where this whole story came out. Now, why is that? That could have been treason. Why was that treason? The Constitution in Article 3, Section, it escapes me right now, but in Article 3 of the Constitution, it's very specific about what treason is. It has to be working against our government in a declared war. We were at war in Vietnam, or even if it's not declared, in what, an obvious shooting war. So we were at war in Vietnam, so an argument would clearly be made, whether Congress declared the war or not, that this was treason, because by that activity, by not having the peace talks then and extend, extending the war another four years, what, 30,000 more Americans got killed? I mean, how many more people died because Nixon interfered with uh, 
with the peace talks and stopped it from happening. With Trump, we're not at war with Russia. Clearly, there was a cyber attack, but it's not a, it's not a war. And, 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 you know, we have peace treaties with Russia. We have nuclear uh, uh, treaties with, uh, with Russia. So it wouldn't meet that standard. You can get Trump on other things, but you can't get him on treason. Good analysis. All right, we want to bring back, again, he was actually here last week, and we got him to lay over and, uh, and come back again. Tim Lancaster from Huntington, West Virginia, born and raised in Orlando, Florida. Did you bring the bones this time? And <laughs> No, he played, for those who didn't hear the one from yes. last week, <clears throat> he played, yeah. He played bones, which it sounds, I mean, if, if you're just listening to the podcast, it sounded like, what, castanets? Right, they're yeah, just they're so actually, rhythm. some people will even call them cowboy castanets. Oh, I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And they were, in fact, Tim, when you did that on last week's <clears throat> podcast, they were, were they elk bones or moose bones? What were they? They were moose okay. bones. They looked like in, moose in bones to me. In my left hand, me. it was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jerry's a bone expert. I, uh... <laughs> In my left hand, those were moose ribs, and then in my yeah. right hand, those were cattle. All right. Oh. Well, it was very, very cool. And uh, did a, Close, yeah. he did a song Close that he up. wrote while doing his artisan residency at uh, Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. And in fact, we were so impressed with it. Uh, and he's going to do another song from that same artisan residence. And we wish that other artists in residence, because I think, Tim, you mentioned that the national parks have a pretty rich program. So one assumes that Many maybe of them do, yeah. Yellowstone might have this, uh, Glacier National Park, maybe Absolutely. Great Smoky I think, Mountains. I think Glacier does. I think Joshua Tree. I'd love to go to Joshua, Joshua Tree. Tree. I've been to favorites. Joshua Tree backpacking. It's an amazing place. Uh, so anyway, we any artist in residence who may be hearing these podcasts uh, get in touch with us, either me or Casey Campbell, Gene at jerryspringer.com, Casey is it Casey at jerryspringer.com? Casey at jerryspringer.com. Make contact with us because uh, we love this national park program. And uh, real fast, Tim, your latest album is what? Give us a name. Stones, Rivers, and Trains. All right. And people can hear you, Tim Lancaster, at Spotify and all sorts yeah, of platforms. Yeah, Spotify and Facebook. Facebook TimLancaster.bandcamp.com. Um, I think that's about Okay. And uh, do a song, if you would, please. Tim Lancaster. All right, this is called Tomahawk Pipe. Sailed out west to see what I could see. Brought along a gift that was fit for a chief. Something he could use to chop his log and smoke his leaf. It's a pipe, it's a tomahawk, tomahawk pipe. Floating down the water that was named the Misery We crossed into the land of the Sioux Territory I offered them my gift, they said to please make a brief It's a pipe, it's a tomahawk, tomahawk pipe All that wood ain't gonna split itself in tobacco's good for your health Slam it down, light it up, we love to wish you well We all shook hands and gathered for a feast 
Then gathered up some branch to burn to share a story When it's time to cut the kindling, I know just what you need The fire caught a spark and we circled all around Thought it nice to have a puff to wash the meal down Then out from my back I said, hey, look what I found It's a pipe, it's a tomahawk, tomahawk pipe Meet your friends, but it's time we move along. I hope you find some use for the tool that built this song. Just don't forget that time when we turned two things into one. It's a pipe, it's a tomahawk, tomahawk pipe, pipe. Tomahawk, tomahawk pipe. It's a pipe, it's a tomahawk, tomahawk pipe. Yeah. Tim Lancaster, Huntington, West Virginia. Hey, Tim, are you, uh, did you tour around uh, Midwest, uh, Eastern, what, what's your kind of route of where people Pretty much this region right here, like Huntington, Cincinnati, Lexington, um, work those three And if markets. people want to hear you locally, uh, yeah. do you have any, uh, would Facebook be a good place where you're making announcements where you might be performing? Yeah, I need to get better at that, but yeah. Okay. Be the spot. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Um, so uh, you got an album out. People can get that. You reference that. Uh, we uh, love your music. Love the stuff Thank you're you. doing. It, you know, creative. It's really cool to see younger singer-songwriters writing music that's about today's stuff. That's in the style of older, old-timey Americana style. And you've you got it. Back, but, in, back in Gene's era. Yeah, right. <laughs> By the way, what influenced you to do this kind of uh, style? Uh, that guy at the top, right there. Right, that's Doc Watson, right there. And then, right, then John Hartford's my, my he's personal He's pointing to some there. graphics, and again, our listening audience can't see this, but we got graphics behind us at the Folk School Coffee Parlor. Name those influences again. Doc Watson. Doc yeah. Watson. Line guitar player from Deep Gap, North Carolina. Yep. And then um, John Hartford there, yeah. bought a multi-instrumentalist yeah. from. Yeah, and John Hartford's a New banjo guy and uh, yeah. real Americana singer-songwriter. These pictures of all, I always thought the people were looking at me up here. They were looking at those pictures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and Doc's blind. So. By the way, one of the backdrops behind the table where we perform uh, are some really just cool graphics. Yeah, really good, good old-time photographs of some uh, key people from the Roots music scene. Do us a favor, take us out on Down by the Riverside, and Jerry Springer will join you if you'll allow it on the second verse. I want someone to say no. Yeah, somebody oh, first time say I can't no, allow it. That. I'm sorry. Down by the riverside, down by the riverside, 
Down by the riverside, I'm gonna lay down my heavy load. Down by the riverside, I'm study the war no more. I ain't gonna 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 study the Sword and shield down by the riverside. You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspring.org.